0: Well, hello again, everybody, and uh, welcome again to the Rick's Mix podcast. I know it's been a long time. Uh, I've been badgered. I've been beaten down. A lot of people bugging me, wondering when another podcast is going to come out. Um, Well, here it is. Uh, I promised at least three people I would try to do one this weekend, so here it is. They're probably my only three listeners I have since I never get feedback from anybody. But, hey, listen, um... So yeah, we're, we're so. If you remember the last podcast, um, it was pretty negative, and I I promised that I would uh, focus on the positive for the for the next podcast. And so over the night na- over the last month, I guess it's been a little over a month. I have been trying to take notes about uh, some of the great stuff, good stuff, positive stuff uh, that I love about being here in Colorado Springs or back in the U.S. or whatever and so here's here's the podcast Uh, here's the positive podcast that you've been waiting for uh in addition to it we're going to make this sort of a Colorado Springs podcast because uh the first first half is going to be all the positive stuff um the the, basically the things I like about being here the second half of the podcast I'm going to kind of talk about Colorado Springs specifically a little bit and uh you know maybe give a little history or or some interesting facts about Colorado Springs, which is our, our new home for the past, what's it been, three months now, I guess, something like that, so yeah, so here we are, so anyway, uh, so in case anybody's wondering, uh, I usually open a bottle of, of vino, vino buono, uh, when I do a podcast, so in case anybody's wondering, the, the bottiglia di vino buono that I opened uh, today is a California Zinfandel, 2014 California Zinfandel. Now, for the uninitiated, people who hear Zinfandel probably think White Zinfandel, which is the, no, absolutely not. White Zinfandel is a cheap, it's like a cheap chick chick wine right on par with the friggin' White Claw. Uh, It is not a wine that real onophiles would drink. But Zinfandel, California puts out some extraordinary Zinfandels. They're very high in alcohol content, usually around at least 13 to 14%. uh, Very dry red wine. Uh, The one thing I will tell you about about Zinfandel was back somewhere around 2011 or 12, uh, when we were still living in Italy, uh, our neighbors would come over every year. For Thanksgiving, And they loved it. Our Italian neighbors. They just loved it. They've never seen anything like Thanksgiving. You know. Never seen anything like it. So they looked forward to it every year. And it was always a huge party. So there was. And they would always bring the wine. You know. I would tell them what I'm bringing. And by the way. For Thanksgiving. For those of you who don't know. What I've learned in Italy. The, the proper wine to serve with Thanksgiving dinner. Is uh, Pinot Noir. Or in Italy. Pinot Nero. Uh, anyway. They would usually bring over the wine. But one year. Uh, I thought, you know, I'm kind of curious to see what the Italians would think about this California wine. So I grabbed a bottle of Zinfandel and I brought it over and I opened it first and I served it to all of them. And to my great surprise, they were actually impressed. They were like, what is this wine? They're like, this is actually very, very good. I mean, they said in Italian, of course, but... And I was like, Wow, oh, that's a uh, Questo è un Zinfandel di California and they were like, Ah, California, vino buono, the, even in Italy the Italians know that California put out some puts out some very good red wine. And they were actually very impressed by the Zinfandel. So I fi- I, I figured that's a that's a win win for us Americans there. Let me take a little sip here. Okay, so let's get into it. So as I mentioned, we're going to talk about the positive things, the good things. We're this is a happy podcast today, a happy one. I will try not to rant, although I know a lot of you tell me that you you actually like it when I rant. I, I sound like uh, what's his neck, Peter Peter Griffin from the the Family Guy. You know what, Grinch, my gish, yeah. Uh, but this is going to be a positive, uplifting podcast. We're going to try to keep it happy and airy and light and stuff like that. So we're going to put a happy little tree right here. Uh, if I screw up in this podcast, uh, we're not going to call it a mistake. We're going to call it a happy accident. Okay. This is maybe I should call this the Bob Ross podcast. Anyway, let's get right into it. So here are the positive, happy, good things that I love, uh, about being in the U S in general, but more specifically being here in Colorado Springs. Let's start with natural beauty. I mean, I'm in the Rockies. Well, I'm not in the Rockies. I'm like right at the footstep of the Rockies, but my God, it is gorgeous here. I, I swear to God, I, I, every time I go out and I drive and I mean, nine times out of 10, if I'm driving anywhere, I'm taking the I-25 because we're at Northgate. Uh, just a few, I mean, just a view of the mountains is just phenomenal. It's just incredible. It's, I just can't get enough. I honestly, I can't get enough. Every, like literally every time I drive out, I see it. I see the mountains and I see it. And I'm like, if I'm by myself, you know, I, I introspectively think how lucky I am. If I'm with Virginia or the ki- or the kids, you know, I'll tell them, I'm like, look at, look, look at that. Look at that. Just look, just look how lucky are we to be here. It is so beautiful here. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, I don't, hold on a second, let me see, yeah, uh, the natural beauty is just, it's just absolutely phenomenal, it's, it's like when I go, so we live at Northgate, if you know Colorado Springs at all, we're at the Northgate exit, close to the Bass Pro Shops, and right across the way from us, I can, I can actually see like the north end of the, uh, the Air Force Academy, and uh, I fish there a lot. There's a lake there. They have like four lakes on the Air Force Academy that, that they stock with with uh, with trout, nine to eleven inch trout. And you know, you we catch a bunch of holdovers that are like thirteen to fifteen. and It's beautiful, and I love it. And I, uh, but every time I go, I'm just like, I just, I just like the first time we drove on there, me and the kids, deer right on the side of the road, just eating like like nobody's business. You know, we're driving right by them, didn't even flinch um two or three weeks ago took uh took max fishing to the air force, one of the lakes in the air force academy and at the other end of the lake I, it's a lake they call it a lake but it's really a pond i mean it's it's tiny uh for those of you who who are from litchfield and you know Dara pond it's like one third of the size of that it's tiny anyway so we were fishing at one end and then at the other end there was actually a deer who was standing in the lake uh and he stayed there for geez over an hour you know just kind of sitting there and i was like Man, I wish I was closer so I could get some pictures of them. But it's gorgeous. It's just you know, this is you don't see stuff like this. You know, I listen. I have been in Europe. I've been in Asia, and I I mean, there's there's some gorgeous places that we we've lived in and visited and stuff like that. But I, I just so I feel so so fortunate to live in a place like this that's just so freaking gorgeous. It's just beautiful. The the natural beauty here is just incredible. Okay, number two. This is a this is a huge one. And anyone and i probably talked about this before but anyone who knows me it, this won't be this won't surprise you um watching sports at an early hour uh you know i grew up on the east coast just uh 45 minutes north of boston whatever uh and east coast is sort of everything starts on the east coast and then it kind of goes backwards just because of the way not because we're like center of the universe although we are uh it's just the way that the earth rotates and I remember back in 1994, I took a trip with my buddy Randy, who was stationed at Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas, which is Pacific time. And uh, it was the weirdest thing because it's like you get up Sunday morning and it's like, oh, my God, you're watching football. at Like, what is it, like 9, 10 o'clock in the morning? It's crazy. It's kind of the same here, and I love it. I have to say I love it because I am, for those who don't know me, I am an early-to-bed, early-to-rise guy. I'm the only one in the family. Virginia and the kids will stay up till, pff, Christ, midnight every night if they could. and then they. But then they'll sleep till like 11, 12 o'clock in the, in, in the morning every single day. Not me. I got to be in bed by like, I don't know, nine, 9 o'clock, 9.30 at the latest. That's just the way I am. But then I'm up at like five, five thirty, uh, and it's just, just because I, I swear to, I swear if I if I sleep till like seven, eight o'clock, I feel like I've lost half the day. That's really the way I am. I'm just an early morning guy, and so this place suits me because it's great. Like when the okay, I mean uh, this was a horrible year for the Celtics and the Bruins. Horrible, horrible. Uh, both should have won the championship. We had the best team in both sports, but whatever. Both choked. But it was great being able to turn on the game and watch it at like six o'clock. Cause I'm like, great, it's going to get over at like eight, eight thirty, and now I don't have to worry about staying up late to watch this stuff like I, you know, like I do, did back home or like I always did when I was in Europe or, or Germany or, or I mean, well, Europe, uh, Korea or whatever. Uh, yeah, it was great. So I love it. I love watching sports in an early hour. It is fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. It's great. And actually, we moved here in May, so uh what what is it now mid july so in about another month and a half almost two months uh the nfl season will be upon us and uh, i'm looking forward to watching the nfl games at a really early hour really looking forward okay uh what's the next one variety of goods and products yes certainly um so for those who don't know uh you know we've been overseas for so many years uh we usually there's a base overseas that i work at and they have what's called a commissary which is basically just kind of like a military grocery store uh you get your goods and you get your groceries cheap cheaper than the economy certainly um the problem with it is is it's only that that's the only grocery store like american grocery store you can go to is a one-on-base and so because of that they can only carry so many products so you know you you're limited in the selection that you have um and i've always been amazed when i come back to the states and i and i go to like the like the mega grocery stores here my god it's like like the bread aisle for instance okay so the commissary overseas we got maybe i don't know seven or eight different kinds of bread whatever but you come back to the states and you go to like the grocery stores here and it's like Jesus, like 20, 30 different kinds of bread and different styles and this, this, and that. And it's like, oh, my God, just the stuff that you never even, it's weird. And it's funny because you've been overseas so long. Again, for those who don't know, in the past 25 years, only been, only lived in the States two years. So most of our, most of my experience has been overseas. So, you, you know, you come back and you're like, oh, my God, there's all this stuff I've never even heard of, never even knew existed or whatever and it's it's cool it's it's great to have this you know unbelievable variety of stuff that i mean it's like you know five of this and ten types of this and seven types of that it's crazy but it's it's great and you know you learn to live with what you got europe's not real diverse uh so the european grocery stores they don't they're nothing like the united states they're nothing like the u.s like the american grocery stores not even close i mean they're not big on like diversity and you know they're Like Americans are, are such a, you know, such a consumer society and stuff like that. And it's like, because of that, the companies are always trying to come up with new things to try to sell to the Americans. And, and, you know, so it's like, Jesus, you go in and it's like, oh, where in Europe you might have, oh, you might have two types of this kind of bread in the U S you got like 20, you know? So I love the variety. I love the variety of goods and products that we get in the U S it's great. It's fantastic. Okay, another one. What's next? Oh, yes, this is a big one. Uh, something that I've really noticed here in Colorado Springs is how friendly the people are. I cannot get over how friendly the people are here, honestly, everywhere we go. Now, look, again, uh, I hate to beat a dead horse, but look, twenty-five last 25 years, only time we lived in the States is a little over two years in South Carolina. Scomptor, you guys have heard the stories. Oh, I wish I did podcast back then. I could have gone off. Um, but... I always heard, I'm like, oh, people in the South are like the friendliest people and blah, blah, blah. Maybe, but not in Sculptor. Definitely not in Sculptor. Those people were assholes. And a lot of them, you had half the half the town of Sculptor was like uh, it was like ghetto. The other half was like, you know, families that have been there for years and years and years and old money. And they were just friggin', uh what's the word, arrogant, and snobby and everything else. Like you didn't belong there, which is funny to me because it's friggin Sculptor uh but ju- they just were not friendly at all but i come to colorado springs i cannot get over how friendly these friggin' people are here everywhere i go everybody is just they'll engage you in conversation but not in like a real uh what's the word like artificial type way like you can tell they're genuine you know like they take an interest they it's I, I everywhere i go restaurant department store grocery store whatever everybody i deal with here this okay i i should preface this by saying again that most of the last 25 years i've lived overseas Uh, i haven't lived everywhere in the states where i grew up in new england you know just outside of boston is not the friendliest area in the world for those of those of you who back home you know this those of you who have traveled there you know this uh you know you nobody would just come up to you and just say hi you'd be like what what you know you're feeling see if your wallet was stolen or something or you're like what 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 you know someone says how you doing you're like hi why do you want to know how i'm doing kind of thing but here in colorado springs my god friendliest people i've ever seen in my life everywhere i go everybody is just so friendly it is amazing it truly is amazing i i don't know what else to say about it except it's just this is like the friendliest place i've ever lived in my life so Next, this is an obvious one, being overseas so many years, everybody speaks English. Everybody speaks English. I mean, it's great. You take it for granted. Those of you who have never been overseas, trust me, you take it for granted. It is nice to be able to go out and do your day-to-day things and just be able to converse in my natural language without having any, you know, any confusions or, uh, you know, I I speak Italian pretty decently. I'd say I'm probably, I don't know, maybe a quarter fluent somewhere around there not as good as xavier who's completely fluent but i'm, I'm i can i can carry on a conversation in, in italian i can speak speak it pretty decently but there's always that little bit that i if they you know if i could speak to an italian that speaks too fast i have to i'm just like whoa whoa per favore parla lentamente you know in other words speak slowly because i i i, I can't get it uh german my german's okay um I've, I've done three tours in germany three tours in italy one one tour in korea i speak no korean at all except for a couple bad couple words yeah bad words mostly um like i said my italian is decent my german's not quite as good as my italian nowhere near it um but in germany you don't really need to speak german because most germans speak english but it, you know it, it can sometimes be cool you know it's nice to try to learn a lot of language and practice and everything else but there's nothing like being able to like, oh, I got to go down to this friggin' town office to, I don't know, pay a bill or something like this or whatever, or argue a bill, I should say, uh, and I don't have to worry because I can speak fluent English, and I know they do too. Uh, if I call someone that I need to get something done, I don't have to worry about explaining it to them because I can speak the language. It's a big deal. It, it really is. It's a big deal. After being overseas most of the last 25 years, it's just really, really refreshing to be able to just speak in my own language and not have to worry about, you know, oh my God, are they going to understand what I'm saying? Is there going to be something lost in translation? Whatever. So, yeah, it's a big deal. So. I'll take a break here. Let me get a little glass of, a little sip of Zinfandel. Okay. What's next on my list? Oh, yes. This is the big one. After being in Europe so many years. Everything is open on Sunday. Everything. Overseas I'm not gonna say nothing's open on Sunday because usually restaurants and bars are open on Sundays, but everything else closed. Uh, it's not a huge problem overseas because you know, you get the PX, you got the commissary, you got the Shopette and everything else on base. That's it. So the PX would be like a department store, commissary's grocery store, Shopette's like a convenience store. So if you need something, you can always just run to base and grab it. Like if you really, really need something, not a big deal. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that we bought in the economy in Germany and Italy, and you just I, I don't know. It's just kind of a pain in the ass sometimes. You're like, oh, it's Sunday. I can't go down. I can't go downtown, and I can't buy this. I can't buy that. Whatever. Um, so it's you know it's just. A real me- mere inconvenience, but it's nice here that everything, excuse me, everything is open on Sunday. Everything, everything, everything. Anything you need, it's open on Sunday. I'm not sure I found anything at all here, besides Chick fil A, of course, uh, that's not open on Sunday. I'm not sure I found anything. Uh, now, I will say that I think it's, I, I actually kind of like it overseas. You know, the fact that certain, uh, I mean, a bunch of stores close on Sundays and stuff like that. I kind of like that. Because, you know, it's time to spend with your family and this, this, and that. And I like that they're doing it. Um, it just could be a little inconvenient sometimes. Uh, that's all. So I'm not going to dwell on this one. Uh, what's the next on my list? Oh, here it is. Overly friendly employees. Yeah. I, you know, this goes back to kind of the other one I talked about, how everybody here is just so friendly. I mean, it's almost, it's funny. It's just, it's just the weirdest thing. It's, I guess because I grew up, you Know in New England and the greater Boston area, or you know, extended Boston area, or whatever. Uh, it was just kind of like, you know, can I help you? Here you go, blah blah blah. Here, my god, the employees are just everywhere we go, it's crazy. Like, i give you an example. We go to so, um, we got this, we got this store uh, near us called Shields, S C H E E L S, Shields. Those of you who are from the Midwest or from this area, you've heard of it. Uh, we don't have this back home. But it's a, like a big, it's a huge, a massive. It, it's so big, it actually has a Ferris wheel inside of it. I'm not kidding. I have pictures, I have videos. We did it last weekend, me and the kids. It actually has a Ferris wheel inside of it. Uh, it's a great store, it's a great shop. And. Um, they have and every time I go like I buy something you know I I go I just gotta buy like a couple flies whatever for my fly fishing I go up to the counter and you know the first thing they're like hey so how are you doing today I'm like oh very good thank you and they're like so how's your day going I'm like you know as they're ringing me up they're talking to me they're like I'm like yeah it's good you know so do you guys have anything play, great planned for this afternoon and it's kind of like what <laughs> like the New Englander in me is kind of like the fuck is are of yours you know what, what do you need to know what I got planned this afternoon You know but i kind of catch myself and i'm like it's just the way the people are here they honestly it's like they honestly care uh hold on i got a little thing about my microphone going on here. well that was crazy but i guess we got it fixed now uh but yeah so it's weird to you know but you know you just kind of like you just kind of go with the flow you're just kind of like nah, you know i'm gonna take the kids to the movies later i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that whatever they're just so friendly and everywhere you go um it was actually kind of funny a few weeks ago no no maybe a month ago or whatever uh we went to the drive to a chick-fil-a and uh my god i wish i, I don't know if this is like everywhere if it's just here because everybody's so friendly but uh so we're going to the, the drive to a chick-fil-a and the, the girl who like takes your order my god it's like she's never heard anything so crazy in her life so great in her life because she'll be like you know hey you know chick-fil-a what can i take your order whatever i'll be like yeah, let me get a, you know, like a number one, a grilled chicken, let me get a grilled chicken sandwich a meal. And she'll be like, amazing, okay, grilled chicken sandwich meal, amazing, okay, that's great. Okay, what else can I get you? And you're like, okay, uh, let me get a, you know, chicken tenders, four piece with this, this and that. F- chicken tenders, amazing, amazing, okay, that's amazing, okay. And I'm literally, I'm not exaggerating, that's really literally the way it was. And I'm sitting there going, and I'm looking at everybody else in the car going, What am I being punked here? What is going on? Is they really like this, you know? And the funny thing is, is I felt bad because towards the end, you know, when I finally finished my order, I put in my last thing and she's like, She's like, okay, that's great. That's fantastic. She's like, Pull around and I'm going to get you at the second window. And I'm like, I go, I thought it was just trying to be funny, but I was like, Amazing. Okay, I'll see you there. And all of a sudden, like, the line went dead for a second. She's like, Okay, thank you. So I, I think she I guess she realized I was just kind of mocking her and anyway, whatever. That's what we do back in the week and we mock people. So yeah, anyway. Uh but yeah, but I but literally I, I love it. Everybody that you work with here is so friendly and the customer service, like if you if you think customer service is dead, come to Colorado Springs, honestly. Everybody here, every place I go where I gotta buy something, everybody who works here, great customer service. It's just the greatest thing. It's so everybody's so friendly, everybody's so helpful, they just it's just awesome. It's awesome. It's the way that it used to be like when I was a kid back in the 80s or 70s and 80s, you know? So, uh, what do I got next on my list? Oh, yes. Huge English-speaking theaters. So, <clears throat> obviously, being overseas for, overseas for so long, you know, you would think that... Um, Oh, how do you see movies in English? Well, we got a movie theater. Every base, every military base overseas has a movie theater on base. But the quality is not, it's not what we would call good. It's horrible. Uh, Usually, I mean, I I remember the one in Vicenza for a lot of years. Every time you go see a movie there, at least two or three times, the movie would cut out. Or there were times where you, like, you'd lose audio for, like, you know, one or two minutes and it's like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna go complain to the management, your military, you know? What are they gonna do? Um, it I I don't know, it's gotten better, I guess, maybe. We went I went to a movie in Camp Humphreys when I was, when we were in Korea, and we went to a couple movies and it was, they were really good. Uh, no problems at all. But they were just like regular old style movie theaters. I never went to the one in Wiesbaden, to be honest with you, so I can't. I can't talk to that one. I was in the movie theater for like you know briefings and stuff, but not for a movie, so I can't speak to that. Uh, but I'm gonna tell you, being here, we got a movie theater. We got a mo- big movie theater one one exit down from us, like maybe ten minutes away, and uh, we've gone to the movies later like two or three times, and fantastic. It's got the friggin' uh, what do you call them? The like the uh, like the recliners, you know, the recliner seats or whatever. Where you can put your feet up. You got food. Uh, fantastic. It's great. It's wonderful. Uh, I love the movie theaters here now. Uh, ironically, the first time I had that was in the Philippines, actually, uh, two thousand eleven or twelve. I think it was two thousand twelve. I remember going to see Skyfall, the new James. I'm a big James Bond, big James Bond guy. I went to see the new James Bond movie, Skyfall, there, and it was in like the they called it like the 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 prime club seats or something like that. You paid like you paid extra for it, but I mean extra in the Philippines, It's like. Oh, you pay like an extra $2 for it, you know, and have recliners and everything else. The only problem is with these recliners is like, Jesus, you're tempted to fall asleep, you know, at my age. Jesus. Uh, But, yeah, I love the movie theaters here. They're great. They're fantastic. They're so much better than the ones on base. They're so much better. Better food selection, but they got recliners that you can kind of recline back, kick your feet up, stuff like that. Awesome. Um, Yeah, so. uh, I still haven't been in an IMAX. IMAX. uh i i kind of want to see it someday to see what it's all about i don't know what imax is i i think it's supposed to be like a heightened uh i don't know i don't know what imax is but i've heard all about it for years and years and years but i've never been to an imax so if anybody knows anything about imax and you know send me a message or put a comment or whatever tell me what it's all about and tell me what's what it's good for whatever Okay, in the meantime, okay, I'm overdue for another sip of my Zinfandel, so excuse me for a second. Okay, thank you. Okay, what's next on my list? Oh, yes, we talked a little bit about this before. Uh, Fishing opportunities, yes, fishing opportunities. Now, I am a huge fly fisherman, huge fly fisherman. I got addicted to it from a young age. Probably about Max's age. I was probably, I think, I was about ten. Uh, my dad got me fishing. My dad took us on. I remember I took us to Robinson Pond in Hudson. I think it was first time I ever went fishing, and taught us how to just do the whole, you know, this is a bobber, put a worm on a hook kind of thing. I took it to me. I took to it immediately. I I loved it. I thought it was great. I had no problem holding a worm, putting it on a hook. I cast it out, you know, and I caught a a, a sunfish. Uh, we call them kibby, the sunfishing fishing kibbies, the same the same thing. Uh, and my father told me he's like, oh yeah, when I was a kid, we used to go fishing and we catch kibbies and people. You, every time I catch one, people would say, kibby for tibby, kibby for tibby. Uh, so it was the same for me. I caught a sunfish and that's what that was kind of like my introduction to fishing. Um, but eventually, he took us up to a, like a stream, and I learned there was different types of fishing because you can't just put a worm in a bobber and cast it out on a stream, or a river, or a stream, or something, because, you know, the water's moving. Uh, So he kind of taught me that a little bit. And later on, I remember he was, you know, I don't even remember the first time I saw him or whatever, but uh, my dad was a big fly fisherman, still is to this day, actually. He's, uh, he's Christ, he will be 80, I think, this year or next year. Uh, And he's still fly fishing, God bless his heart, uh, and doing well. He's more of a fly fisherman than I'll ever be um but i remember watching him fly fish and thinking that's cool i want to do that like i just i just my whole life the bottom line is i just my whole life i just love fishing just fishing in general uh but fly fishing to me was like the ultimate it was absolutely the ultimate i'm like this is the ultimate you it it takes it takes uh skill it takes knowledge i mean you gotta study the water. It's not just putting a water or putting a worm on a freaking bobber and just casting it out. It's not putting, you know, power bait nowadays. Power bait power is what my kids do. Putting power bait on a hook and casting it out. No, there's skill. There's strategy. You have to know. You have to read the water. You have to know. You have to match the hatch. You have to kind of do this, do that. And I just, I don't know what it is, but I just, I loved it. I took to it from an early age. Uh, we lived close to... Uh, For those who aren't from where I'm from, we have this huge river that goes right through uh, southern New Hampshire called the Merrimack River. And it's huge. It's a huge freaking river. Um, It's kind of like the New Hampshire, well, not New Hampshire, but New Hampshire and uh, Massachusetts uh, version of the Mississippi. It's freaking huge. It's, it's It's almost that big. And it is loaded with fish, as you can imagine. I mean, bass, mostly smallmouth, largemouth, stuff like that. And I could walk down to that river from where we lived when I where I lived in Litchfield, New Hampshire. And I would do that. And when I I remember when my dad got me a fly rod with a fly reel when I was like maybe 11 years old, and I did. I walked down. I couldn't I couldn't even drive yet, but I'm like I don't give a fuck. I'd walk, you know, like a mile down. To the, to the merrimack river and that's where i sort of made my bones fly fishing i i would practice i was horrible at the time i lost a lot of flies lost a lot of line this this and that but that's where i really learned you know i was 11 years old 11 years old and that's all i did but i loved it it was just it was just so enjoyable to me and i tell max these days all to, all the time because max loves fishing and i say you know max you know he asked me when uh, we went fishing the other day and he asked me he's like you know, dad, where did you learn how to fish so good? Why why are you? And I said, well, Max, you know, here's the thing. I said, the best, it's like anything else in the world. It takes practice to get good. But the beauty of the fishing like this is if you honestly really enjoy doing it, then practice is fun because you practice by actually doing it. And, you know, that's really the way it was. So I'm sort of self-taught with fly fishing. I, I never took any kind of course in casting or anything like that. I just kind of did it growing up and, um, I was fortunate enough when I, when I was in Italy, I met an Italian buddy named Fausto, who, uh, it, it was kind of a funny story. I, I guess I'll kind of go off on a tangent here. So, uh, when I was, it was my last year in the army, I'm in uniform and it was a gas station, an ACIP station. You know, they took the, the U S gas coupons, uh, on my way to work and it was run by a nice guy named Paolo. And I, so I would always stop there on my way to work or from work when I need the gas, that's where I'd go. And he also had a little bar in there, so i get a little espresso while I was there. And so one day I was in there, and I, I got gas, and I got an espresso, and I was on my way back from work, so I, hadn't, I had my uniform on. And the, this Italian guy kind of comes up to me, and he's an older guy. And he was just, like, really shy and sheepish and everything else. And he was just like, he barely spoke hardly any English at all, but he was kind of pointing to me. And he was saying, oh, you know, I like... I like uh, I like the the uniform, blah blah blah. So I start, you My first thought was, I'm like, Jesus, am I gonna what's, what the hell's wrong with this guy? Turns out he was the nicest guy in the world. We ended up being best friends, and he, I'm so thankful to God that I met this guy because his name is Fausto. He was a, he is a huge fly fisherman, huge, and he used to work. He was at the time I was probably 35. He was about fifteen years older than me, so he was about fifty. Um, this guy had lived a life, man. Uh, he had worked down at bases, and I think he was born in Libya. Actually, back the, I guess the Italians had bases in Libya, and he was born there. And first, and he had lived in Brazil, so he spoke Portuguese. Um, and he was, like I said, he was a huge fly fisherman, and he had worked for many years back in the seventies. He had worked on bass, I guess maybe at the PX or something like that, and he loved, he was kind of like an old hippie, like a 70s hippie, not a 60s hippie, but a 70s hippie because he loved 70s music. He wasn't old enough to be a 60s hippie. He loved American music and stuff like that, and he was a huge fly fisherman, And so I'm so thankful that I met him because he was able to, we became best friends immediately, and he helped me uh, navigate the Italian bureaucracy crazy system of how to get all these crazy fishing licenses you need and everything else uh, and to fish the Brenta there's a there's a river that goes north of Vicenza called the Brenta River uh, those of you in Vicenza you know it the Brenta River but uh, north of Bassano even uh, is a world class trout river world class it is managed um, but this being Italy you know it's crazy and you have to know every little rule and regulation and everything else uh and Fausto helped me um navigate all that and he was able to help me get my licenses everything a license i need and so i was able to actually fly fish a lot in italy you know but the point of the story is it was amazing it was i never could have done it if i had never met Fausto. i never would have been able to do it because there's so many crazy rules and regulations and everything else uh same with germany now when you go to germany you actually have to take a class. You literally, if you want to fish, you at, you literally have to take a class and you have to pass a test in order to fish, uh, which is crazy to me. Um, but in the U.S., but now that I'm here, and I was never able to do it in in, in, in Germany because I'm like, ah, it's just not worth it to me because where am I going to fish? And I don't even know the rules and I don't speak the language, and I'm like, ah, well, my, my luck, I'll end up in jail. So uh, all this is to say that this is a very positive thing here is that i love being here uh being able to fish here i am technically now or not technically officially a colorado resident because i have registered my car here we have an address here i have a colorado driver's license i actually have two but it's a whole nother story um but i colorado's license uh, colorado's rules are crazy i found out that you have to be you have to live here six months before you can get a residence permit residence fishing permit i should say to fish so if i want to fish this summer i have to actually get a non-resident permit which is like over 150 dollars or something like that and it's, however and i'm just like screw that however however uh hold on this seems like a good just take a little break here okay thank you um uh as i have talked about several times and if you follow me on facebook or you have me whatever you see me post about this we live right across the way from right across the i-25 from the north gate of the air force academy and the air force academy oh by the way has at least four lakes on its property that they stock with trout uh nine to 11 inches um and you don't need a colorado fishing license to fish there you only need an air force academy permit and an air force academy permit for me uh because i have an id card is only 24 dollars for the entire year and that's phenomenal and the funny thing is, is i was talking to someone recently i was mentioning that and they were like yeah it used to be 21 people are all pissed off when i went up to 24 and i'm like 24 dollars for an entire year in the academy that's that's insanely uh that's good that's incredible Uh, so you can get a day pass for nine dollars so think about it if you get an annual pass you fish three times you've more than paid for yourself and for me because i live like 10 minutes from one of the lakes that's that has like a couple areas that i can fly fish i'm telling you it's my happy place it's my new happy place. I go there all the time. I went there this morning. It was the first time I actually got skunked. I didn't catch a single thing, uh, but I still was just so happy being out there. Every other time, I've knocked them dead with my fly rod. And I take the kids out there. The kids, the, uh, Luca, you're under sixteen. You under 16 you do not need a, um, you don't need a, a, a friggin' permit. So. So Luca and Max can fish free, and every time we go there, Max and Luca knock him dead with the power bait. They just go crazy, and they love it. It's fantastic. So that has been just a fantastic. Uh, just you want to talk quality of life, man? We're just so lucky. I'm, I I live here. I, every time I go to the lake, I, I I see that I'm just like, man, how lucky am I to have this like ten minutes away from me? You know, fantastic. I I mean, uh, full disclosure, I'm a fly fisherman, so I would rather have like a river or a stream to fly fish in uh but having this lake here and being able to catch fish there every now and then is just it's a godsend it really is okay we're getting near the end of the list near a few more left so the next one is larger parking spaces Uh, anyone you know you've been to europe you know you know that those cities were not laid out back you know when they were not laid out after the advent of cars obviously they were at you know they were laid out back when it was people were in like walking or had horses or whatever uh and so taking cars in europe and and the same with the parking spots uh because gas is so expensive in europe most everybody drives compact cars you know suvs are not the norm in europe let's put it that way but they are the norm here not just suvs but huge pickup trucks and everything else dodge durangos and stuff like that uh and i everybody here a lot of a lot of places they know this and so when they lay out the parking lots they make big parking spots and it's great i there were places in germany that i'm like and i have a volvo xc90 which is an suv but it's not one of the bigger suvs uh compared to like a durango or something like that and i more than a lot more than a, more often than not i'd have to park like way to way to hell out there just to you know because i'm like i i can't fit in these little like Korea, my God, I I get these. I I'd have to park way out because you drive an SUV. Shit, you put your thing in there. You you're not gonna. You barely can open your door. You know. Uh, so yeah, it's great. I love being in the U.S. where everybody's used to big cars here, and it's the norm. It's great. I I know. Freaking, if I'm I know it's. Oh, it's not great. Ah, whatever. That's an argument for another time. But if I have an SUV. I love being able to, I love these wide parking spaces where I can park my Volvo XC90 and open my door without worrying about hitting another car or something like that. It's freaking fantastic. It's great. So, okay, what's next? Oh, yeah, Barnes & Noble. Come on. Barnes & Noble. My love affair with Barnes & Noble goes back to, hmm, I don't remember the exact year, but it was the early 1990s. When Barnes and Noble was kind of still, I guess new. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I admit to not knowing Barnes and Noble's history. I'm sorry, but uh, in Nashua, Nashua, New Hampshire. For those who don't know, Nashua, New Hampshire is the very, very bottom of. It's a very, very bottom city of New Hampshire, and it, it people call it Boston North because it's so close to Boston that it's kind of like an extended suburb. But here's the thing about Nashua, no sales tax. New Hampshire has no sales tax. And so Nashua being like right on the border, it's like a, it's like a shopping haven. We got the Fessaline Mall. We got, you go to South Nashua, and it's just like all like car dealerships, malls, strip malls, and everything else. So I remember in the early 90s, this store Barnes & Noble opened, and I, you know, it was a brand new thing. I mean, that again, early 90s, what's that? Like 30 friggin' years ago now, right? Um and it was crazy. I mean, I had like a coffee store. I don't even remember if it was Starbucks back then. I think it was just like a Barnes and Noble cafe. But that's where I got addicted to cappuccinos. Uh and I remember I would when it opened, man, I would literally I, I can't even describe it. I it was paradise for me. I would literally spend 3-4 hours, sometimes more, on a weekend like a Saturday in there. I would go in there. I would just get the books. I couldn't believe it. it was this massive, massive bookstore uh, where I could get a cappuccino or an espresso or whatever. I could grab like two or three books and just sit in a chair and just read them. You know, it was like a it's like a library basically. Uh, my God, it was just so great. It was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. And uh, and now, yeah, you know, fast forward. Now everybody's got Amazon and. Everything's done online and everything else, which kind of sucks. Uh, but we have a Barnes & Noble here in Colorado Springs, and it's friggin' awesome. It is awesome. We go there at least once or twice a month, at least. And I love it because Max and Luca are just so into it. Every time they go, they always find books that they can read. And I think it's fr- friggin' fantastic because it's, it's not online shit it's not uh what's the word i'm looking for it's not uh, it's not them sitting there playing on the tablets you know i think it's fantastic so luca's into the whole uh what the hell is it called manga 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 something like that it's like japanese anime he's big into it uh and the books are like 10 bucks each so every time I go, I tell Luke, I'm like, okay, you can get one or two books. I tell Max, you know, you, know, you can get one or two books if you want. The problem with Max is every, every freaking book he wants is like $40, $50. i am like, no. Uh, I found, you know, the, I found stuff for local stuff. I found a couple books on like, you know, uh, fly fishing around Colorado, stuff like that. Virginia is going crazy with her freaking cookbooks. It's fantastic. I go in there. First thing I do is make a beeline for the cafe. I get an espresso uh I get my magazines i get my world soccer magazine i get my fly fishing magazine i get whatever i want it's fantastic i love barnes and noble i absolutely love it and there's nothing that exists like that overseas nothing and if it does it's all going to be in a foreign language anyway uh so i am so so effing happy to be here to have a barnes and noble and it's only like about a 15 minute drive it's just great i'm so so happy to have that i'm so happy and thankful that we have a Barnes and Noble. Okay. Alright, last one on my list. Uh well, I wrote no mosquitoes, but listen, of course, there's mosquitoes here. There's mosquitoes everywhere. Well, maybe except Antarctica, or whatever. Uh so when I say no mosquitoes, what I mean is I have not been bugged or bothered by mosquitoes since we've been here in Colorado Springs. Now I mentioned about the whole no mosquito thing to Virginia, and she's like, "I oh, I work in the garden every night and I get bit and i caught da da." And I'm like, "Okay, that's okay," but for me, I haven't been. I stay in the house. Even when I go outside, I have not been bitten by a single mosquito yet. And I it's I, it's I don't want to jinx myself. I, maybe I shouldn't say anything because I don't want to jinx myself. But I'm telling you i've only seen we've been here since april i've only seen actually seen with my own eyes maybe two mosquitoes the entire time since april uh i have not been bitten by a single one i don't know what it is i don't know if it's the climate because this, supposedly this is you know this is supposed to be like a really really dry climate you know so maybe the mosquitoes are only addicted to humans humid, humid uh, places i don't know whatever it is i don't care I have not been bothered by mosquitoes a single bit. And I cannot tell you how nice it is to be able to go to sleep and not have to worry about getting woken up in the middle of the night, but a... in your ear. I love it. I friggin' love it. It's great. It's fantastic. It is fantastic. So I don't know if it's going to, I don't know. I don't know if it's a norm. I don't know if maybe we're lucky. I don't know what it is. I don't care. It's great fucking hate mosquitoes i hate them uh i i think they should all I, if they all died today i don't care I, I everybody's like oh well everybody's everything's got a place in the ecosystem and i don't give a shit mosquitoes die just die i hate mosquitoes i friggin' hate them um uh, okay so that ends the first portion of the uh podcast the colorado let's call this the colorado springs podcast Colorado Springs podcast, uh, which was very positive. I think I think you will agree that I kept it very positive. Uh, I tried not to go negative. I hope that I did a good job. I won't know until I listen back on it. Um, so now I want to go to the second, uh, second portion of the Colorado Springs podcast, and that is I would like to talk about some things specifically about Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs is, we, I talked about in a, a couple of podcasts ago, I talked a lot about the park, uh, Colorado Springs and, you know, what it's famous for or whatever, the the, the lay of the land, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I thought it might be interesting, and I kind of went and looked up a bunch of interesting facts about Colorado Springs that I would like to share with you all now, in case anybody cares. You don't care? Yeah, whatever the fuck. Just go to another frigging podcast then. But uh, I want to share some stuff that I found interesting about Colorado Springs. So um, here is the first one. Number one, Colorado Springs has one of the highest lightning strike rates in the country. It's true. I, I've seen more lightning in Colorado Springs than I've probably seen in my entire life combined. We get a lot of lightning storms and stuff to hear. Now, what's interesting, interesting about that is that it prompted Nikola Tesla to move here to Colorado Springs and conduct ex- and conduct experiments in electricity. He actually opened a secret lab here, which then he actually, after a few years, uh, he was drawing so much, I, I, I don't remember the whole story, I think he was drawing so many problems here with the electricity that people started getting pissed off, and they, they, they I think the, the local politicians forced him to close his lab or something like that, uh, and then there was, because his lab was so secret, I guess there's like uh, like a debate or like a, m- a real mystery about where his lab actually existed or something like that. Uh, I don't even know. But I think that's pretty cool. So, number two. So, uh, I talked about this recently, yesterday on my John Denver post on Facebook for those of you who saw it. Saw it. But there was a poet named Catherine Lee Bates. Uh, who she was a professor or or a teacher at Wellesley College. Um, For those who don't know, Wellesley College is like a prestigious women's-only college right on the outskirts of Boston. And she spent the summer of 1893 teaching at Colorado College here in the Springs. Um, She took a train trip from Boston all the way here. She was extremely inspired coming across the country by all the things she saw Um, She took in the World Expo, I think, in Chicago. Uh, She was extremely impressed by, believe it or not, Kansas, all the wheat fields and stuff like that. But when she got to Colorado Springs, she went to the peak of uh, Pikes Peak, Pikes Peak, which is, you know, the 14,000-plus mountain here. We got Colorado, overseas, everything. The view from the top of Pikes Peak, inspired her so much that she wrote a poem about all of her experiences. Um, I don't remember the actual name of the actual poem that she wrote, but her poem later became the basis for the lyrics of the song America the Beautiful. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain. Yeah, that's the one that was inspired by Pikes Peak that was inspired by pikes peak so america the beautiful and there was uh for many 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 years there was a lot of people who were really really pushing to try to make it our national anthem uh in the end star spangled banner won out and it stayed but uh, i i gotta tell you i i wouldn't have a problem if they would have made america the beautiful i wouldn't have a problem if they made that our national anthem because i i think it really encapsulates the the beauty of this land and everything else. Anyway, uh, I'm not going to get into that. So, okay, uh, let's move on here. Okay, Ralph Lauren. Everybody knows Ralph Lauren, the clothing guy. Yeah, he's a famous fashion designer. He actually owns a home near Colorado Springs with over 1,500 acres of property. The weird thing is he only stays there one month each year. I think it's in July. I'm not sure why this is uh but it is what it is anyway okay number four the popular tv show dr quinn medicine woman i never watched it i've actually never even seen a single episode but i'm if i'm not mistaken my mom judy i think she was addicted to it and i think she used to watch it regularly i think i'm not sure um well anyway if you've watched the show dr quinn medicine woman it takes place in colorado springs ironically it was actually filmed in california of course but it takes place here in Colorado Springs. Now that I've seen that, I think I might actually might want to I think I might check it out. You know, what else? Okay. Number five. In the mid to late eighteen hundreds this is kind of an interesting one. In the mid to late eighteen hundreds, Colorado Springs became a haven for people with tuberculosis. It was believed that the dry climate and fresh mountain air would cure the disease. In fact, get this, this is crazy to me, by by the 1880s and 90s, more than a third of the residents of Colorado Springs were tuberculosis patients. Think about that, that's crazy, more than a third, so that means more than 33% of the population of Colorado Springs were tuberculosis patients, that's nuts, crazy. Okay, this next one is actually (laughs) pretty funny. So in 2013, North Korea released a propaganda video that named, so listen, let me back up. So for those who don't know, there's a, well, we're going to talk about this in a couple of things now, but I'll, I'll just tell you, there's a place here called Cheyenne Mountain, okay? So for those who are like around my age in the early the early 50s or whatever, uh, you remember a show when we were, or a movie when we were kids called uh, War Games? It, you know NORAD. You've heard of the term NORAD, North American something, whatever the fuck. Um, it, it, also, um, I don't want to give. I don't want to say too much, but here. But it, so, so the Cheyenne Mountain is where NORAD supposedly is. It's like deep in the mountain. Blah blah blah. Anyway, so in 2013, North Korea released a propaganda video that named Colorado Springs. As one of four targets for for a proposed missile strike, which you know isn't that outside of possible you know crazy because it's the home of NORAD and shit. But comically, the map that they included in this thing actually showed the location of Colorado Springs as somewhere in Louisiana. (laughs) Seriously, those freaking crazy North Koreans, man. So they, showed a, they were going to show a map of, oh, this is Colorado Springs where we're going to, you know, launch a missile strike. And it's actually in Louisiana. <laughs> in Louisiana. Anyway. Okay. Uh, number seven is actually in kind of interesting. Charles Schultz. You all know Charles Schultz. Uh, maybe some of you don't. He's the one that created the very famous Peanuts comic strip, Charlie Brown. He actually lived in Colorado Springs for a year. And he developed a friendship with his neighbors, Philip and Luann Van Pelt. Peanuts fans will recognize that. Philip and Luann Van Pelt. And he found Luann to be such a quirky personality that she became the inspiration for none other than Lucy Van Pelt. Believe it or not, Lucy Van Pelt was based on a real person here in Colorado Springs. Interesting. Okay, number eight, the Cheyenne Mountain Nuclear Bunker. Okay, we talked about this a couple of months ago. The Cheyenne Mountain Nuclear Bunker. And you notice that I said nuclear, not nuclear. Anybody ever says nuclear, I just want to hit you in the face with a shovel. Pronounce it right. Nuclear. The Cheyenne Mountain Nuclear Bunker was actually designed. We talked about how it's built like into the mountain, right? Get this. The Cheyenne Mountain Nuclear Bunker was designed to withstand a... 30 megaton nuclear explosion that's crazy so if you're not familiar with the cheyenne mountain command center you should be it's been featured in several hollywood movies war games as i mentioned earlier for my generation later on the terminator uh independence day remember when he dragged the friggin alien and all that stuff and then of course believe it or not Austin Powers. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Yeah, anyway. Okay, so we're getting it in now. So, Colorado Springs is, of course, famous for Pike's Peak, which looms large across or over the entire city at about a little over 14,000 feet in elevation. Now, most people know that the mountain was named for the explorer Zebulon Pike. However, most people don't realize this. Believe it or not, Zebulon Pike never actually made it to the summit, he never did. He explored the area. He explored part of the mountain. He never made it to the summit on the mountain for which he was named. Pikes Peak. Amazing. Uh, Number 10. uh, Just a little interesting little bit of trivia. Colorado Springs is actually the largest city by area in the entire entire state of Colorado. True story. Okay, so this last one, uh, this actually, this is kind of funny. Uh, and I, I know I'm going to blow some people's minds here who are actually here in Colorado Springs or, you know, whatever, have lived here because uh, it's actually not true. So it, let's just take it this way. So it's often said that Colorado Springs are, averages over 300 days a year of, a year of sunshine. I, I hear it all the time. People tell me, that, oh, oh, you're going to Colorado Springs. Oh, yeah, the sunshine. It averages over 300 days a year of sunshine. Oh, yeah. Over 300 days of sunshine, over 300 days of sunshine. I can't tell you how many times I heard that when I told people I was coming here. It's actually an exaggeration. And, and the funny thing is, so here's here's where it comes from. It actually originated, it was a railroad publicist back in the late late 1800s. Uh, who started saying, who started spreading that rumor? Because they were trying to lure people to move to Colorado, so they spread this, you know, message about, oh, there's Colorado Springs, you should come to Colorado. There's over 300 days of sunshine here, da 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 da. I, so it, it's funny, you know. But here's the funniest part. So the real average is about 200 245 days a year of sunshine here. Still not bad and not bad at all 245 days of sunshine is pretty damn good but it's not 300 days like everybody says so science says science gotta believe the science um that the real average is closer to 245 days or so about a a, a year of, of sunshine still not bad still not bad so uh lastly let's end on this interesting little bit of uh tidbits so here are some famous people who were either born in or lived in, at some point, Colorado Springs, okay? So, first, Maxfield Parrish, famous painter. Ma- famous painter. If you don't know Maxfield painter, Ma- uh, Maxfield Parrish, famous painter, okay? So, yeah, whatever. Uh, number two, Charles Schultz. We talked about that already. Uh, he was the creator of the Peanuts comic strip. We talked about the Van Pelt, blah, blah, blah uh i will not get into politics here however michelle malkin the famous conservative author and commentator she moved to the springs in 2008 she's pretty famous she still lives here leanne tweeden who is a model and sports commentator uh i don't remember if she was born here but she lived here for many years i think she actually worked at a hooters or something like that here i was reading uh comedian Louis black I love comedian Louis Black. I think he's freaking hilarious. I love him. He lived in Colorado Springs for a while. Tom Hamilton. You guys have probably never heard of Tom Hamilton, but I will tell you that he is the bassist for the band. Wait for it. Aerosmith. Yes, he was born here in the Springs. Tom Hamilton, the bassist for Aerosmith, was born here in the Springs. Lon Chaney. I'm sure, well, you you younger kids probably never heard of Lon Chaney. Lon Chaney, Lon Chaney was a silent film star, uh, horror movies. He was born here. He was born here in Colorado Springs. Dwayne Chapman. I've actually ne- never seen his show. He's uh, You might know him as Dog the Bounty Hunter. I've actually never seen his show, but, of course, everybody's heard of him. He was actually here in the Springs. He's from here. ESPN's Chris Fowler, uh, the host of College Game Day. He's actually from Colorado Springs. Yes, he is. Uh, Cassandra Peterson. Went to high school here. Um, You're probably wondering, you're probably asking yourself, who the hell is Cassandra Peterson? Well, she she went to high school in Colorado Springs, and you probably know her better as, wait for it, Elvira, the Mistress of the Dark. Yes, Elvira, the Mistress of the Dark, is from Colorado Springs. Uh, One of the most famous names is Sidney Pollock, the actor and director. He spent two years stationed at Fort Carson here in Colorado Springs back in the 1950s before he went on to win the Academy Award for, oh, I don't remember the movie that he won it for, but he won it as, I think, Best Director for something, I don't remember. Uh, James Dobson, uh, all you re- all you religious people out there, James, Dod- James Dobson, who is the founder of the Focus on the Family, he actually lives here in the Springs. In fact, Focus on the Family is headquartered here. It's headquartered here in Colorado Springs. I drive by it all the time uh i every time you take the i-25 there's a big sign that says oh focus on the family next right whatever Um, yeah so james dobson focus on the family right here in colorado springs uh major league baseball pitcher hall of fame actually goose gossage from the springs that's right goose gossage is from the springs and he actually he was born here but he actually still lives here believe it or not believe it or not i guess he retired here uh another sports big name nba hall of famer rick barry Rick Barry, remember he used to do the diaper shot? They called it the diaper shot in the NBA. Yeah, he makes his home here in Colorado Springs. He's here. Haven't run into him yet. When I do, I might pull his rug off. I might pull his toupee off so we can get in a fight. Uh, Gino, that's mostly for you. Uh, you remember it from the basketball book when uh, he got in a fight and none of his teammates came out to help him because he hated him so much. Uh, anyway, I digress. Okay, uh, last one. Uh, famous car racer, Al Unser. He was born here in the Springs, Al Unser. I don't know if he's NASCAR or, I, I don't know. I'm not a car racing guy, but I know I've heard of Al Unser. He was born here in the Springs, so literally. Okay, well, I think that's it. Uh, I I hope that everybody has enjoyed this podcast. I try to keep it as positive as possible. I know a lot of people are probably pissed off because they like it when I start bitching and I get off on a tangent and start talking about what crashed my fucking gish stuff like that. Uh, but I really enjoyed this podcast, and I hope you guys did too. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm kind of struggling for ideas for other podcasts. So if anybody thinks of it, send me a message or make a comment on the post or something and kind of give me some ideas of what you think might make an interesting podcast, and I'll look into it. Uh, but until then, uh, I just want to wish, wish everybody a late happy 4th of July. Happy birthday, United States. Um, I am enjoying my time in Colorado Springs here immensely. I really, really like it here. We really do. It's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's expensive as hell. So I don't know how long we'll be able to stay here unless Virginia gets a part-time job or something like that. Uh, But for now, we're loving it. We're absolutely loving it. Loving it. Loving it. Loving it. Loving it. Uh, So I'm rambling now. So I want to thank everybody again for listening. Uh, Leave me comments, whatever recommendations whatever the fuck uh pardon my french and uh we will talk to you guys hopefully it won't take another month before my next podcast i got some ideas uh but we'll talk to you guys next time we come all right ciao